Welcome to Avatar with Academics. My name is Sam Mulberry, and I have never watched Avatar The Last Airbender. And I'm Annie Berglund, and I have watched it before. Annie, we have made it to Book 3, Fire, Chapter 4, Sokka's Master. I How loved this like one. Yeah, I loved okay. it. I loved it so much. Um, did you know that I was going to love this one? Yes, because you have talked about for the last like season and a half, if not from the start, how everyone else is, is leveling up. That's like the phrase you've been using throughout, right? Like all mm-hmm. the benders continue to str- strengthen, get better, become like master levels. And the one person who's always left behind and the butt of all the jokes, uh, even his own jokes is Sokka. So it like feels like such a long time coming to have Sokka have his own episode. Yeah, and I feel like this is uh, not the completion of, but it is, it's actually a, a next step in the season two arc of Sokka's identity. I feel like there yeah. were a lot of like lateral moving around in Sokka's identity. Like we would learn things about him and and he would be like, oh, he's this, he's this, he's this. And it's like, this is this is an episode where they just said, what if we made an episode about that and we started to potentially resolve it? Mm. Um, I think there's a lot to this episode. Yeah, I think like, and it's it's interesting too because it seems like there's kind of two types of people, right? There's the people who can who who like figure out who they are on their own, right? And it's like through your own trials and troubles or whatever, you know, whatever. Like they can figure out their identity. And then there's other people that need somebody to speak it into their lives. And I think that that's Sokka. And so we this is like very much picking up where Hakoda left off where Hakoda's like very much in that one brief episode we have with the two of them together Hakoda's like these are the things I know to be true about you you are a warrior too I trusted you with um like the rest of our tribe the rest of our family and then he he just needed somebody else to like bridge the rest of that and be like you are creative you are you know and like speak into all the things that he is rather than like him kind of swirling around with all these things he could potentially be or he wants to be. You know Mm -hmm. what I'm saying? Absolutely. I will also say this episode is going to introduce a new character who is quickly in my, like, short list of favorite characters. Yeah. Uh, The the, the titular Sokka's master, uh, Piando, is like, he's instantly with somebody I was really interested in. And like, I yeah. All right. Should Should we jump into the summary here? Yeah, yeah, let's do it. All right. So the episode opens and we see the Aang gang in there. It's at night and they're looking up at a meteor shower above them. Um, have you ever have you ever experienced a like a meteor shower? No, I've seen like uh, shooting stars here and there, <laughs> but never like a, a full on meteor shower. Have you? Yes. Uh, really? So, yeah. So it. I don't know if this happens every year. I think it does because um, I've seen this multiple times. It's usually in like late July, early August, uh, the Perseid meteor shower. At least here in Minnesota, if you're, you got to, you kind of have to get out of the city. So we, my uncle used to own a resort and we would go up um, in the summer. And so I remember this in like late, maybe late college, early, uh, early, early years after college going up and we'd walk out to, like away from the resort, away from the lake, out to the road where it was just completely dark. And we would bring folding chairs out and just sit and look up at the sky. At, and it was in, it was for a couple nights. And you know how cool it is to see a shooting star? It's like, that's a mm. pretty magic thing. You look up and it's just like 
the the heavens are full of wishes right if you're wishing on mm. stars right there's like it's you look up and you can't help but see them um now it's not as dramatic as it looks here but it is really cool um so so these are real things you should yes uh, i recommend everybody like like if you have the opportunity if you hear that there is going to be a meteor shower like <laughs> like go find a really good place to watch it uh, and hope that it's a clear night because it's it's really pretty cool when you see one, it's spectacular enough. Yeah. But then to see a whole sky like in motion. Well, I remember as a kid, like you know, you'd be driving somewhere or walking somewhere, and somebody would say, "Oh, look, a shooting star!" And like, and by the time they say that, it's gone. So you, you're yes. always just disappointed because you didn't see one. This is a situation where if you look up and just pick a spot in the sky, like you're going to eventually see one because there's yes. there's an there's enough of them up there. So, you know, there's this reflection outside my window, and every so often a car drives past and the light shines up and it looks like there's a shooting star, which I feel like is kind of the same kind of. It's kind the exact of, same thing. Yeah. Headlights, headlights st <laughs> head like st streaming, streaming across a window, <laughs> shooting star. Right. I mean, yeah. Yeah. You're basically an avatar character at this point. <laughs> okay, great. Good. <laughs> All right. So, so as they're staring up at this, Sokka says kind of makes you realize how insignificant you are. And Toph says, ah, you've seen nothing once. You've seen it a thousand times, which is a pretty good line from Toph. Great joke. Because <laughs> you realize they're all staring up at this amazing thing. And to her, it's just more of the same. Yes. <laughs> all of a sudden, though, they see this really bright meteor and it's flying low. And Sokka says, you've never not seen anything like this. <laughs> um, and this made me think of Sozin's Comet. You know, like I, I'm sure this was intentional to put this meteor shower and have this 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 low flying meteorite um, in here. They don't comment on it, but to remind you of like, oh yeah, stuff in the heavens, stuff like that stuff affects stuff of this world. Yes. Um, so so it seemed very meaningful that they had this. Um, so they look and they see that this meteor crashes to the earth and explodes in flames, sort of just just off the horizon from where they're at. So the gang gets on Appa to investigate and they realize that when the when the meteorite landed, there was an explosion and fire was starting to spread and that if it spreads, it will destroy this, this t nearby town. So we see them kind of snap into action. Katara flies on Appa to get water from the creek to bend over the fire. Toph and Aang are starting to earth bend so they can build a trench to kind of contain the fire. And we see Sokka kind of standing there wondering what he's supposed to do. And Aang tells him he can keep an eye on Momo. <laughs> and Sokka says, so am I just like a lemur sitter? Is that is that all that I am? But then he does it, which yeah. I love. <laughs> and we talked about this from all the way back in season one, that, that Sokka gets given these kind of like crappy jobs. And he comments on them, but he still does them. So I mean, because he's yeah. a good, he's a, he's a trooper. Like he'll, mm. he'll do stuff, whether it's watching Momo or cleaning Appa's toes, like he'll do those <laughs> things, <clears throat> even though he maybe finds them uh, a bit degrading. Uh, so we see Sokka and Momo working to put out little fires that are, um, that, that come about because of kind of sparks of ash. And he's doing that while Aang, Toph and Katara fight this huge fire like superheroes. So it's a great little contrast. Um, and then finally, Aang yells out to Sokka one more command, which is to stand clear. Basically, get out of the way while we're doing this. And Aang produces this huge wave of water. And then like a snowstorm 
to finally extinguish the fire. I don't quite understand the <laughs> chemistry and physics of the snowstorm, but they put the fire out, long story short. And it looked cool. It did look very cool. Uh, so from here, then, we cut to Iroh's prison cell, and we see that Iroh is sitting and drooling, and he has almost this like spaced-out look on his face. He kind of looks like he's been drugged or something, right? Mm-hmm. <clears throat> and we see a guard come in and drop a bowl of rice onto the floor of Iroh's cell. And Iroh scuttles over and starts eating it off the floor like an animal, right? Like he, we haven't heard Iroh speak yet this season. We've seen him in jail. And this is, this seems like the lowest point for him um, because he actually does seem like, uh, I mean, almost like an insect at this point, right? Like just kind of crawling over the floor, uh, eating food off the ground. Mm -hmm. Um, And the guard says, look at you. You're just a fat, disgusting old man. You do nothing. You say nothing. You just eat and roll around in your own filth like a pig. You're a disgrace. And he spits and walk, walks away. And once he leaves, we see Iroh kind of smooth back his hair. And he sits up cross-legged and starts to eat out of the bowl. Thoughts? Thoughts on this? Uh, I, I, I initially, I immediately went back to something you said, probably in episode one or two of the show, Oh, um, which is you, you, you told me to pay attention to every time somebody underestimates someone, mm. you know, like Katara is underestimated. Aang is underestimated. Zuko's underestimated, right? This, mm. that this, and Toph is under everybody. It's like, this is a show about people. Uh, very often who are judged by how they appear in a moment. You yes. Know? And people keep thinking that they can and are exerting power over them, but they don't always understand. Right. Mm. They don't. And so there's a lot of underestimating that happens. And so I thought of this at this moment when the guard walks away and you see Iroh kind of snap it. I mean, it, there is something to him about like kind of pushing his hair back. Cause he has like strands of hair that are in his face and he pushes them back. And it's like his eyes change to like, Oh, this is Iroh. This is the same Iroh that we saw uh, in the winter solstice, you know, when he's captured, but we realize even as he's captured, he's still yes. in control. So, or who, so- or who uh, challenges Zhao uh, in the end of season one and, mm-hmm. and is like, I'm going to unleash my power on you tenfold, right? And it's like all of this contained energy. Uh, you can see it in the flash of his eyes. It's such a good scene. Yeah, yeah, no, and 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 again, he doesn't say a word, but and it's it's probably three seconds of screen time that he, where he where you see that part of him, and it, that got me excited. Yeah, and the, and even the fact that like it's not even that he's pretending to really be anything other than exactly what they think he is. Mm-hmm. Like he knows exactly how the fire nation views him. So he's like, okay, I'll just ham that up. Like I'll be who they think I am. And then when they turn their back, I'll, I'll like actually be myself. And, and yeah, it gets so good. It gets yeah. so good. We got to keep going. Yeah. <laughs> so we cut back to the village and now it's daytime and the gang is eating lunch. Uh, and Aang comments on the fact that people in the village don't even know that they were saved from fire last night. Uh, and Toph says, that's the worst part about being in disguise is we don't get the hero <laughs> worship anymore. I miss the love. <laughs> and it is funny because if we think about Toph, the first time we meet Toph, she is this like adored superhero figure as the blind bandit. And, you know, they've been 
uh, in throughout season two, they're able to basically travel around as the avatar, you know, like, mm-hmm. like, like Aang and they, they don't need to hide themselves and in the earth kingdom. Toph can just be this powerful earth bender. And there isn't this need to hide. And now because of the, the secrecy they need to keep that they're, they're not stripped of their powers, but they're stripped of recognition. They're stripped of sometimes the ability to just openly use their powers. Mm-hmm. So we see Osaka off on his own uh, kind of pouting. And he says, boo-hoo, poor heroes. It's just, you guys can do this awesome bending stuff like putting out forest fires and flying around and making other stuff fly around. I can't fly around. I can't do anything. Um, And this was interesting because this made me think of uh, Sokka's identity, right? That we spent so much time in season two talking about this. Um, and now he's just kind of saying it uh, right up front. And I will say my daughter was excited about this because they, they, this has always been true, but they don't exactly name it. Like you have three of the most powerful benders in the world and then Sokka. Like then that's how they're traveling around. And we've been looking for the thing that Sokka does well. Now he, he does amazing things throughout the show, but but it's always overshadowed by the ease with which Aang and Katara and Toph can wield this unbelievable power. Right. And no matter what he can do super well, it's like, that's not going to win them money or resources or access to things. Like the only reason they get that is because of the benders that he's with. And that can feel like, like a little sibling that's like living in the shadow of their older siblings mm-hmm. and like just kind of receiving the, the gifts or the rewards that their older siblings have earned uh, and not so much him. Yeah. Right. And it's interesting that Sokka is the oldest of all these people too. It, right. Know? Yeah. So, so it's sort of reversed on him, which makes me think of um, a connection between Sokka and Zuko. We think about Zuko at the North pole when he, we first hear about Azula and he talks about, how easy everything came to her and how she was such a prodigy. It's like, you're almost hearing Sokka say a version of this, but it's coming from Sokka's point of view, which is different than Zuko's, right? He's not, it's not that he's angry at them. It's just, he's just like, you know, I, I do feel like I don't have a role here. Right. And, and each, all of the anging, each of them have expressed at different times, like, pulling their own weight and each of them has been a leader at different times except really i mean Sokka creates plans but yeah not so much like being a leader um yeah and in fact if anything he's been undercut as a leader at certain times (laughs) true yeah uh so katara comes up to him and says that's not true no one can read a map like you Toph says i can't read at all (laughs) and ang says yeah and who keeps us laughing with sarcastic comments all the time right so it's like so he, they're, they're trying to like big him up a little bit. Like, oh, think of all the things that you do. Um, and again, Sokka's only seeing these in comparison to like the powerful bending. He says, I appreciate the effort. But the fact is that each of you is so amazing and so special. And I'm not. I'm just the guy in the group who's regular. Mm-hmm. And Katara explains that none of the group feels this way. Um, and then she suggests something to make him feel better. And we have a hard cut here to the gang in the doorway of a store and Sokka's clapping his hands and exclaiming shopping that that's the thing that's going to make him feel better. It is not the thing that I thought would make him feel better. Like I was thinking food 
or you know like but it makes sense he's always been wanting like the new bag the new clothes well and i it's i love what you just said because i had the same thought shopping's not what i would have thought of but when they did it it didn't feel unearned it made me think of when he was the great scene when he buys that bag and he's like He's like thinking about, well, do I need this? Do I not need this? Do I deserve it? Do I treat myself? And you just realize like, oh, he loves this. He love he actually loves shopping. And as somebody myself who doesn't like, I can recognize in him that he genuinely does. Oh, as someone who loves shopping, I was like, yes, please. When I'm feeling down, I just need to spend some bucks on something. <laughs> and uh, I- I'm right there with Sokka. Yeah. At the same time, it also feels like it has the potential to be a little patronizing from Katara as well. I mean, he, he, he loves it, but it's like, yeah, you know, you're not uh like world-class bender, but let's go buy you a toy or something. It's just like, right, like, let's distract like, you. <laughs> right. Right. Now we're going to find out that this shopping trip is actually going to lead us somewhere important, but in the moment it's like, okay, well they know, they know how to play you a little bit Sokka, but I hope this turns out, well for you and it turns out that it does um so we see Sokka start looking around and he says maybe something to reinvigorate my battling and we see him try uh, try out a bunch of weapons so he tries out some nunchucks um and it's a great scene of him like trying to do moves with those and he ends up clocking himself on the head and then we see Katara trying on gloves um at the store I don't know the meaning of that because it seems like her hands are really important for bending so yeah, I don't know if, if you can bend through gloves. I don't know. If anything, it reminded me of like Frozen and like wearing the gloves and like hiding the, the power. Oh, sure. It was like, sure. What, what's, like, what's the point of this? Yeah. But yeah, no, I, I don't know what that was. Yeah. And then she looks up and she, see, she's, she sees Aang uh, dressed head to toe. I'm trying to describe this uh, in sort of this intense armor, which features like spikes and skulls and chains and horns. How would you describe this? Uh, um, like something he could never actually physically move in. Like it's yeah. so much metal and like heavy duty armor that he looks like four times bigger than he actually is. Yeah, it definitely weighs more than he does. Oh, for sure. Yeah. Yeah, I, 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 he looks to me like a character out of like World of Warcraft or something. Yes. Like, like, cause, cause it makes him look like this huge, bulky, uh, bulky character. Um, uh, and Aang says, you know, all that I need is a wind sword. And he says, it's where I get a sword handle. And then I just swing this around and bend the air out like a blade. And, uh, Katara's looking at him as he's pretending. I mean, this is, we're seeing Aang try on a new personality, right? <laughs> Uh, and she seems unimpressed. And then we see just Aang just sort of tip over from the weight of the armor. And he's like, maybe I'll just stick with what I've got. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> so we cut back to Sokka trying out various other weapons. So he he tries out a spear with a kind of a big blade at the end. This really heavy metal like spiked mace or club. Um, he, we see him with some dual swords like, uh, like the blue spirit has uh, with a chain. And finally, with a sigh, like a like a pointy dagger, and he's kind of picking his teeth with it. And as he does this, I mean, he realizes that nothing that he has seems, nothing he's tried seems to fit. But then he sees on the opposite wall a sword hanging, um, and and he looks at it and he says, "That's what Sokka is talking about." Like he all <laughs> of a sudden, like 
like nothing was right. And then this just kind of lights him up. Uh, and as he's looking at the sword, the shopkeeper comes. Now, did you notice how much the shopkeeper looks like Iroh? They look the same. And I think I read that it was voiced by the same guy even. Okay. So I feel like those were weird choices that were made. <laughs> yeah. It's almost like, like uh, this happens in video games where there's like, you only have so many character designs. And when you need to do a new character, you just like ch- take a character design and you like change the color of their clothes or yes, one little thing about them. But I don't love it when they do it with a character who's so central. I mean, there's plenty of like kind of red shirt, nondescript characters that like they can double those as much as they want. But it's like, let's not have somebody who looks that much like Iroh. I found it distracting. Yes. Even like, um, remember in the spirit world when Ko was showing his different faces and one of the faces looked a lot like Jao. It mm-hmm. was like too much like Jao where I was like, uh, can we like just take away the sideburns or like right. the shopkeeper like change the hair a little bit? Yeah, because you look at it and you think, is this supposed to be meaningful that this person looks so much? And if And if it's not, it just seems really weird. Right. Exactly. So the shopkeeper says, you have a good eye. That's an original from Piandao, the greatest sword master and sword maker in Fire Nation history. He lives in the big castle up the road from here. Um, to which Aang catches on to this and says, that's what you needed all along, Sokka. Not the sword, but a master. We've all had masters to help us get better. You should see if you can study with Piandao. And Katara says, I could have never gotten where I am without Master Paku. Everyone needs a teacher. And Toph says, uh, I learned from Badger Moles. They don't talk, but they're still good teachers. And finally, Sokka agrees to go talk to uh, Piandao. Okay, I have a question. So yes. thinking about <laughs> um, uh, road trip Sokka, road trip dad. Mm-hmm. In the last two episodes, it seems like every single minute is down to the wire. Like you cannot deviate from this master plan. And yet now here we have uh, an undetermined amount of time for him to like train with a master. So is there some like, maybe I didn't clock it. Is there some shift in this where it's like, maybe now that they're close enough to the fire nation palace, like, they're just kind of biding time and like treading water. They don't say anything about that. And I will say my daughter Esme pointed this out too. And she was like a little frustrated by it. It's like, how come last time they were so concerned about time and now all of a sudden it doesn't matter. Uh, Here's what I would say. Mm. This is actually teaching kids a great lesson, right? You can be as organized and punctual and time focused and on a schedule as you want. But when someone important to you in your life is in crisis, those things, even if it's we got to meet up to fight the fire lord for the end of the world, it's like we need to care for people. And it's like this is like a care moment for Sokka. So I think they're all willing to say, you know what, this is the thing we need to do right now. Mm. Um, And we'll figure it out. Because the fact of the matter is Sokka has this tight planned out, you know, uh, road trip dad schedule. But there's also the thing where it's like, we'll get there. Don't worry. Like, like we'll, yeah. we'll get there on time. We'll find a way. You know, it might not be the way that we originally thought we were going to go. Maybe this is going to lead them to need to take a shortcut through a more dangerous part of the Fire Nation because they yeah. don't have the time. But, but they'll get there. So I actually liked it because it, yeah. it was sort of like we actually need to care for the well-being of our, of, of our friend, of our brother. 
you know, rather than just like keep plowing ahead and focusing on our needs, which are also these like global world ending kind of needs. Right. And it seems like Sokka would be the kind of road trip dad would be like, we need to stick to the schedule until it's something that he maybe wants or needs. And he'd be like, ah! <laughs> like yeah, we could probably change things up. So, but like, so even though maybe he didn't have that mentality, it's nice that the rest of the crew were like, yeah, like we can take this time, like you said, and maybe we'll have to eat food and take our potty breaks at the same time, mm-hmm. like they said last episode. Um, are, do you know what, what a Piandao is? No. Okay. I did a search on this just because it seemed like a specific word. Yeah. Um, so it, it is a kind of sword. Oh, Okay. But what's interesting is it's this like kind of curved sword. It's interesting because it's not the kind of sword that um, Piandao uses. Oh, okay. I just thought it was fascinating because like like they're using like a like a uh, almost like a samurai sword, like a katana or something, right? Mm. And and but what a Piandao is 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 a different. It's a different kind of sword than than that. But I just found it interesting oh, yeah. that, that that's yeah. I just searched it. Yeah, I just searched it. It doesn't look anything like it. Yeah, I wonder why they chose that. I mean, it's also just a cool sounding name. <laughs> I, I'm sure that I'm sure that's what it was, <laughs> but it, it 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 you know it makes me try to remember. It's like oh, when I, whenever like a word or a name comes up, it's worth searching for because like maybe that means something. So, and if Absolutely. he's sword master, he's probably a master of all kinds of swords, but that's not his chosen sword. Right. Yeah. Um, so then we cut back to Iroh's prison cell and we see Iroh lying on his back, um, kind of looking up at the light that's coming in through the bars of his cell. And all of a sudden he starts doing sit-ups. <laughs> <laughs> and at this point, at this point, um, I just like my heart just raced because it's like, we had these, this sense that Iroh was like kind of playing possum a little bit. And now it's like, he's he's now getting uh he's preparing for something right iroh's working out he's getting prison fit at this point <laughs> yes it was so great because the first time i so i watched this uh when i was in high school right um and then mike watched it and i was like lesson planning so i wasn't really paying attention we get to this episode maybe this is like two years ago and mike was like oh my God, wouldn't it be great if he was just like getting jacked in prison? And then literally the next scene was this. And he was like, I like no, nothing has ever been greater in my life. But like, right, right. He is like planning his own prison break. It's yeah. so great. Yeah, yeah. Or planning his post-prison, uh, post-prison actions, right? Right. Now, now I will say, again, watching this with, uh, watching this with my kids, they both picked up instantly on what was happening here. Now we talked last week uh, or two weeks ago, we talked about the headband and we talked about mm-hmm. how they did a 1980s movie in footloose. Mm-hmm. And I don't know if you caught this reference, but this is such a reference to um, one of the great, uh, not great movies, but one of the great like icons of the 1980s. This is such a, such clearly a Rocky reference and specifically a Rocky four reference. So in Rocky four, Rocky goes to fight the Russian and he goes to like the, the snowy mountains of Russia to train. And he's in this little cabin and he's just doing like kind of there, there there's multiple workout montages and this has the feeling to it. And we're going to see more of Iroh working out uh, as we go here. And honestly, if you cut these scenes together, 
and just laid in eye of the tiger underneath it would be a rocky training montage it's so great so it was just awesome to be like guess what here's another 80s movie for you uh, and we they just took like the best the best part of the rocky movies are the training montages and it's like why don't we take a character you love and give him a uh, a rocky training uh setup so it's yes. awesome i've never seen rocky but like i know some of the references and i was like it just reminds me of like scenes of people like running up these big stairs to or like tr- all these different training for something. Mm-hmm. Yeah, like the 80s rock ballads under it. It's so yep. good. And and it, it gets you fired up. Like, honestly, when you saw Iroh doing sit ups, did you not want to start doing sit ups? Oh, yeah. yeah. Yeah, I didn't. I didn't do it. Neither did I. But like, <laughs> but it's but it's just like, you know what? maybe I should do this too. Like, it's like, yeah, right. yeah. Like I would watch, you know, we talk about spinoffs. Would you not watch an, an Iro workout video? Oh my gosh. Like P90 also, Iro or something. He would be so encouraging. Oh yeah. And just so low key, like not yelling at you unless it really deserved it, but otherwise just like calm, like you, you know, are doing great. You know what it would be, Annie? It would be like if Bob Ross did a workout video oh so true it would (laughs) almost like like the tone and the energy of like a yoga instructor but like fast paced like aerobic exercise and you just get shredded from it yeah (laughs) but it also has tea breaks (laughs) but it's like let's do a sun salutation (laughs) it's like calm yourselves center yourselves breathe (laughs) it would be so great i want Uh, this yes Uh, i think i'd work out i think i would actually work out (laughs) yeah uh so so uh, we only get a little taste of Iroh here, and then it cuts away to outside of uh, Piando's house, and we see Sokka knocking on the door. And at first he gets no response, uh, and then he starts knocking, and there's, it's sort of like double doors, and there's two knockers. And then eventually he just grabs both of them and starts like banging on them to try to get someone's attention. Um, and finally we, a man walks out, and Sokka says he's come to train with the master. And the man who we realize is... I called him Piando's butler because he answers the door, but I don't really know what his like role is. He seems like a servant of some kind. I don't know. Do we ever learn his name? No, I don't think so. I don't believe so. No, I like Butler. (laughs) He plays a major role. We're going to call him the Butler from here on out. He plays a major role in this episode. You know, maybe he's like, um, uh, and this is another Butler, but maybe he's like, alfred from batman you know yes he's there but he's also like he does all these other things but what what you would see on the outside is he's kind of the butler at the house yes but he runs the he runs the show he knows everything going on Mm -hmm. absolutely he helps participate in the trainings and things like yes right so so he says um you should know the master turns almost everyone away what did you bring him to prove your worth and we see Sokka starting to like pat down his pockets to be like, okay, what do I have? It reminds me of in the library when <laughs> Wan Chi Tong is like, okay, what do you have to contribute? And they're all like kind of scrambling and Sokka gives him that knot. And he's like, that's a warrior's <laughs> knot. That's a kind of knowledge, right? So Sokka is again like, uh, don't have anything. So uh, the butler says, uh, let's just get this over with. And he invites, uh, he invites him in. Um, so Sokka enters the master's studio. I don't know what you call rooms like this, right? Uh, and we see him uh, sitting using a calligraphy brush to write. And Sokka says, Master, my name is Sokka. 
And I wish to be instructed in the way of the sword. And then Piando says, Sokka, that's an unusual name. And uh, Sokka tries to explain that it's a pretty normal name for Fire Nation colonials. I love that that's just the, like, that's their running lie. It's like, we're yeah. colonial. Like, we're Fire Nation. I mean, it makes so much sense. Yeah. Yeah. That, and they, they have sort of, they've created a cover. So they're not like making it up each time. It's like, yep, this is, this is yeah. who we are. Like, I'm surprised they don't have even more of a backstory at this <laughs> point. Maybe they do. And we just haven't heard it yet. Uh, so Piando continues. Let me guess. You've come hundreds of miles from your little village where you're the best swordsman in town. And you think you deserve to learn from a master. And Sokka says, well, actually I've been all over the world. And we see Piando almost like roll his eyes and say, yep, here we go. And Sokka says, and I know one thing for sure. I have a lot to learn. And it's this great moment of like, uh, so the, the sort of the, the, the gift he brings to prove himself is humility of like, I don't actually think I'm great. That's why I'm here. I want, I want to learn to be great. Um, Piando says, you're not doing a very good job of selling yourself. And Saka says, I know. Oh, he does say your butler. He says, your butler told me that when I met you, I would have to prove my worth. But the truth is, I don't know if I'm worthy. And Piando says, well, then let's find out together how worthy you are. And he picks up the sword and announces, I will train you. Um, I... Give me your thoughts. I love humble Sokka. We don't see that often. Like this is someone who puts on such an air of being this cocky, arrogant, kind of almost know-it-all, but not really, you know, like a goofy yeah. kind of, and uh, always something sarcastic to say. And so it's nice to see him acting that way. I think the note I put was, why can't he act that way around women? That would be nice. But <laughs> Interest Interesting you say that because he does. And let me point out when he does. Yes, please do. Uh, Warriors of Kiyoshi. He first comes into their training and he is the opposite of this. He's like, yeah, I'm, I mean, he basically says I'm the greatest warrior in my village, just like Piando says. And, um, and he's like, yeah, I, you know, I could show you this or that. But then he eventually turns around to like, teach me. Right. Yes. He gets there. He gets there with Suki. And that's why I think that Suki relationship is so great. Right. Um, I was going to say, I think the, the only really two women we see him doing that often, like humbling himself is Katara and Suki. Mm -hmm. uh, and yeah, you're right. I think that's the last, I mean, there's moments where he's humbled throughout the series. Like mm -hmm. I, I know that that's like a continual thing that the writers are doing with him, but like this whole episode, he has to very much like bow down and like be a servant rather than mm -hmm serve himself and i think we see that in suki too yeah and i and i honestly think this is a doubling of the of the kiyoshi training because i remember even in that episode i was like what do i call this space that they're in just like i said what do i call <laughs> this space he's in right is it a dojo a studio what is it but but it is but it's like it's like he's learned the lesson of i'm i'm this is the thing that i bring and it sort of reminds me of uh, like Socrates, right? Soc Socratic wisdom is the is knowing that you do not know, and like that's uh. the beginning then of real knowledge. And so, Sok that's how Saka is approaching Piando. Is he's saying like, I, w what I give you is the gift of I know that I don't know how to do this, so that means I'm open to what you have to teach me. I don't assume I know anything you you have to teach me. 
Yeah, it, it feels almost like, I mean, I don't know if they address this ever, but with the butler at the start when he's asking, what are you going to give? And like gift culture is very important, especially in East Asian cultures. But like, there is a part of me that's like, ah, maybe Piandao is looking for someone who has nothing to give. He has mm-hmm. no, no resources physically. He also feels like he has nothing in him to give except for that he wants to learn from this person. Mm-hmm. Like that, that level of humility is maybe the best kind of student to have. Yeah, yeah. I also was interested because Piandao has like a, he's got a really great voice. Mm-hmm. So I was wondering, huh, I wonder if this is just like part of the Avatar stable of, of actors and actresses, or is this somebody else? And uh, Piandao is voiced by Robert Patrick. Are you familiar with Robert Patrick? No. Um, he's not a super famous actor. He's most famous for, um, in Terminator 2, he plays the T-1000, like the, the Terminator that Schwarzenegger is fighting against. Yeah. Um, yeah. That's Robert Patrick. So, again, it's, yeah. it's not a distinct voice to me or anything, but that's who it is. Is that the one where he can go into objects? Yeah, like he's like the liquid metal guy. Okay, yeah. 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 That was yeah. that terrified me as a child. Yeah. Does he have does he have swords for arms? In uh I it's no. I, it's been so long. It's I don't been remember. a while. We should watch this. He can turn himself into liquid metal, sure. Of course he can. <laughs> I don't know that he has, but yes. Okay, I was, maybe I was trying to find a connection where there is none, but yeah. you're thinking uh, of Edward Scissorhands. That's different. <laughs> <laughs> which is also amazing all right so so from here we cut to the the courtyard at piando's estate and at first like when, when we first get introduced the shopkeeper says like yeah he lives in a house here and it's like this is not a house this is a massive estate with like multiple multiple build it's very cool it's a place i it's the it's also probably the real estate i would most want to have it seems pretty <laughs> great it's like up in the mountains but it's this huge yeah, compound um mm. so they're in this courtyard of piando's estate and Sokka's being trained so piando says the first thing you must learn is that your weapon is an extension of yourself you must think of it as another part of your own body uh so Sokka says like a second head <laughs> And Piando says, well, more like an extra long, really sharp arm. The sword is a simple tool, but in the hands of a master, it becomes the most versatile of weapons. And just as the imagination is limitless, so are the possibilities of the sword. And at this, we see Sokka's face light up. Mm. So one of the things I want to do is pay attention to what are the lessons that Piando teaches? Yeah. So... Um, so the first lesson is, uh, think of your weapon as an extension of yourself. Uh, and just as the imagination is limitless, so are the possibilities of the sword. Now that sounds like boomy advice, doesn't it? Mm, It's like, it's about like, this is about creativity. It's about seeing things that other people don't see, seeing possibilities that other people don't see. Um, Because what I want to do is try to track some of these lessons, both within this episode, but also going forward to be like, do, do we see... Sokka as swordmaster in the future, practicing some of these things that Piandao teaches him. I also liked to track or think about the way that, like you said, it's like asking a question, listening to the response, hearing, hearing Sokka's response and how it's always not what, not what they expect or not what Piandao expects it to be. Mm -hmm. uh, And like, could be conceived as wrong, but like, not necessarily, and I think but, that's yeah. a really important part. Well, it's interesting, because what does Sokka say as an extension of his body? He says... A second head. A second head. What's in your head? 
your brain, your mind, right. your creativity, right? And what he said, and your imagination. And he says, just as the imagination is limitless, so are the possibilities of the sword. So he actually is kind of right. It is sort of like, yeah, this is a second mind, right? Mm. This has the same limitless possibilities as your head does. Mm-hmm. So yeah. he's not wrong. It's actually almost a better answer than when Piandel says like a really long, extra sharp arm or something. It's like, oh, actually Sokka's answer is kind of better. <laughs> In a right. weird sort of, like in a weird, quirky sort of way. Right. And the writers play it off. They they walk the line so well of like, oh, he's being a goofball, but also, oh, like there's some, like, some wisdom in there too. Exactly. This, exactly. It happens a lot in this episode. Yes. Uh, so from here, we cut to our heroes uh, camp. So we see Aang, Katara, Toph, and eventually Momo lying on the ground bored. And Aang asks what they should do, and Toph says, I'm tapped out. I've already picked my toes twice. The first time was for cleaning. The second time was just for the sweet picking sensation. She's kind of gross. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Although, although for her, like, her toes and her feet are different than they are for us, right? That they are her window to the world, so. Yeah. Yeah. It's, yeah. I mean, I guess girls gotta do what girls gotta do. Right. Who am I? Who am I to judge? Yeah. Follow your bliss, right? Like if that <laughs> if that brings you joy, okay. Where's your uh, comfort? Yeah. That's right. Uh, Katara says Sokka's been in charge of the schedule. I'm not sure what we should be doing. Uh, and we see Toph picking her nose, <laughs> and says, "Plus, it's so hot today." It's one of my favorite moments in the episode. Ang says, "How hot is it?" Uh, and Toph says, "I don't know. Really hot. Like it's the it's the classic joke setup of it's so this and then." how much is it? And then somebody else gets to make a joke. And then we see Katara lying there and she's like, I got it. It's so hot. It's so hot. Momo is shedding like Appa. Huh? huh? So she's like, she's like trying to fill the soccer role here. And Aang says, I guess jokes don't run in the family. And Katara says, Oh, everyone's a critic. And then even Appa growls at this point. So I just love the, like they're, they are illustrating missing Sokka like they're missing yes. what he interjects conversationally they're missing the fact that he keeps them he's the organizer he keeps keeps them going keeps them busy keeps them moving in the right direction um, yeah. so he doesn't see the scene like this but they're seeing it yes and failed humor is like the runner of this episode <laughs> yes yes um, so now uh, we're back to Iroh's prison cell uh, and we see now Iroh has moved from just doing sit-ups to he's hanging from the ceiling of his cell by his feet doing inverted sit-ups. And if you were unsure about the Rocky Four reference, this is when it really comes into f- clear focus because this is something Rocky does in the cabin in the mountains of Russia is he hangs from the ceiling and does inverted sit-ups like that. So um, so very much a clear, a clear Rocky Four reference. Um, we go back to uh, Piandao's studio um, and Piandao says the warrior practices a variety of arts to keep his mind sharp and fluid. The first you will learn is calligraphy. So he hands him up the brush and says, write your name. Which I love because we know that Sokka is not the most artistic of the Aang King, at least in right. visual art. Like we've seen him try to draw lost Appa posters. Before. Yes. And it's and what, rough. <laughs> and there, there's a great there's a great image here when when he hands Sokka the brush. You notice what Sokka does? No. 
So he hands him the brush and Sokka grabs the brush and starts to push on the bristles with it's like he like smashes the bristles of the brush with his thumb. I mean, it's like such like an oafish move of like, well, why would you why would you take this brush, which is ready to work with? And that's a delicate instrument. And he just, literally just like smashes the bristles like he doesn't even know which way is up. Right. Um, and Sokka says, writing my name will make me a better swordsman. And Piando says, when you write your name, you stamp the paper with your identity. Mm. Interesting use of the word identity here. Mm. You must learn to use your sword and stamp your identity on a battlefield. Remember, you cannot take back a stroke of the brush or a stroke of the sword. And upon hearing this, like Sokka seems afraid, too afraid to put ink on paper. Uh, and and uh, so he like brings the brush up to his face as he's thinking. He starts to get a little bit of ink on his face. And Piando points this out. And Sokka's thinking about this and says, so it's about me putting my identity on the page, right? And he proceeds to put ink all over his face and then smash his face and use it as a literal stamp on the paper. And he hands it to Piando. And there's sort of like this almost like smiley face image. Um, it reminds me of the scene in Forrest Gump when when he's running and the guy gives him a towel and he wipes his face and it's like a perfect smiley face on the on the towel. It's like that's kind of what this is. Um, and Piando just kind of shakes his head. <laughs> So we have this. We have this. This second thing that Piando teaches, right? You stamp your identity um, onto the battlefield with your sword, right? That 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 this is this is where you you show your identity. You show who you are. I will also say, we are starting to get the makings of another '80s movie here. Do you Ooh. feel? Do you feel another '80s movie reference here? You know, after our conversations, I feel like they're just everywhere, and I I do not know. So you have to tell me. You have to okay. fill me in as the yeah. '80s expert. Yeah, this is this is perhaps one of my favorite '80s movies here, um, which <laughs> is a story about uh, a young man who is trained by an old master in a in a martial art, uh, but instead of being trained, just like you know, let's just do the moves instead there's all these other tasks that he does and in doing that he's learning his lesson this is karate kid right yeah i mean this is miyagi would say to daniel right like okay if you want to if you want to learn karate you need to sand the floor you need to wax the cars you need to do paint the fence do all these things it's like that's what piando is doing he's like okay you want to learn to be a swordsman let's work on writing your name it's like this is some miyagi stuff and i love it i'm i'm here for this Yes, and then like as he's doing these tasks that seem unrelated, you have the master who's like explaining how they're related, but it's in a way that's like really vague and like yeah, philosophical yeah. and not super yes. helpful. Well, I will say Piando does a better job of explaining what why he's having him do this, but that's also yeah. probably because this episode's a lot shorter than a ninety-minute movie, so it's like we can't have the confusion there for so long, but I love it. I like when Sokka said, I learned to be a swordsman by writing my name. I was like, it's karate kid is just <laughs> karate kid. And again, it's one of my favorites. I'm here for it. I, I just got the fact that I got Rocky four and karate kid in one episode. Could, couldn't be better. Good. I feel like they went to a lab this season and were like, how could we make a Gen Xer like Sam really enjoy this. And they thought, here's what we're <laughs> going to do. We're going to take everything from your childhood. I, I think we're going to have a Goonies episode at some point now. Like, I just think oh, it's going to happen. It would be great. <laughs> I'm holding out for it. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and it is so funny that we talked uh, at the end of, of the headband episode about like, yeah, what other eighties movies could they do? And then it's like, Oh, here's two of them. Here's, here's two. 
And neither of these, I mean, we didn't think of either of these two. No, and I, I the fact that I didn't think of Karate Kid especially is, right. I'm a fool. How did I not think of that? That's such an obvious one. Right. Yeah. I mean, Because this like is about age. training. Yeah, yeah. Yes, yes, <laughs> yeah. for sure. Um, so then we go back to Piando's courtyard, and we see Sokka and the butler are in kind of like, like a lightweight sort of leather armor. Um, and they're fighting with wooden swords uh, as Piando looks on. And we see that the butler quickly disarms Sokka and then like chases after him. Um, so hasn't learned much yet at this point. From here, we cut to a grassy field uh, beneath some, some big mountains. And we see a blindfolded Sokka being directed by Piando. And Piando gives him his third piece of, uh, of instruction. He says, landscape painting teaches the warrior to hold the lay of the land in his mind. In battle, you only have an instant to take everything in. So he removes Sokka's blindfold to reveal this massive canyon waterfall. And he gets yes. to look at it for like two seconds. And you know that this, so this is based on a real waterfall, apparently in Iceland. So the creators of the show before this season came out, went on a trip to Iceland and like traveled around because they wanted to create the Fire Nation islands to look like Iceland, which totally makes sense. Cause later on we see like a lot of gray landscapes, like even in the next episode, the beach, like the beach itself is gray, which I guess could be like volcanic rock, but like mm -hmm. everything is kind of like the tones of Iceland. So yeah, yeah it's like based off a real waterfall they saw. <laughs> That's so cool. Right? Like who, that is this, like not only is it super cool to just like create this show, but then also to travel the world for the art of the show. Come yeah. on. Yeah. That is that honestly, that is such a cool thing. Now I want to look for like hot springs in, uh, in the fire nation. Cause that's the other big thing in Iceland are these natural hot springs. So yes. I'm, I'm and I was wondering, I mean, you, you're, you're an artist. You've gone, you've done like you have done travel. You've painted like mm -hmm. on your study abroad. Like did this hit home for you? Cause for me, I resonate with someone like Saga. Who's like, I've never painted <laughs> whenever I try to create something. It's like, Oh, yikes. Um, but, but what were your thoughts? Oh did yeah. It, yeah. Did it no, absolutely. Memories. So when I was in college, I did a trip to the Dominican Republic, uh, took a paint, a landscape painting class there. And this does remind me of, uh, my professor, Dale Johnson would, we, he would take us places and plop us down. And it's like, and you're in like the most beautiful places in the world. And it's like, all right, you have like two hours, make some art. And like, and that's what you need to do. Yeah, no, I didn't mm. have to like lock it into my head and then try to paint it for a memory or things like that. But, <laughs> but, but it does, it does make me think about like, like when you paint, how much you pay attention to the landscapes in different ways. And I have memories of places that we went that are so deeply shaped by the paintings that I had. Cause I can look at the mm. paintings and be like, oh, I remember this area here. Cause I spent a lot of time looking at, this tree and how it did this or how the light came here. Yeah, absolutely. Yes. I, I talked, I met Dale Johnson once. He's amazing. And one of the few things that he said that stuck with me, everything he said was amazing, but he talked about shadows and like painting shadows and that there's colors and shadows. And that's something mm -hmm. I would never know. And I think that that's like so specific to an artist's eye to be able to say like to note where light is like you were saying to note where shadow is and that like oh that could actually be really helpful for people who are in battle <laughs> to, yeah. to like know light source and exactly and exactly perspective 
Mm-hmm. Yeah, and to know like even what kind of light is it? Is it the the cool light of the sun? Is it the warm light of the sun? Is it light yes. that's reflecting? And what is the what does a reflection tell you? Yeah, you're absolutely right. Like like it it teaches you to know to understand the landscape in a lot in a very different way. Mm-hmm. Um, so Saka sees this this canyon waterfall, but just for like two seconds, and then Piando turns him around from the waterfall and sets him down in front of some paper, and he says, "Now paint and no peeking." And Saka paints while Piando kind of stands there meditating. And he and, and Saka announces really quickly that he's finished. And he pops up with what looks like a painting that's like made by a first grader, right? Like <laughs> it's got some blue triangles that are mountains, some splotches of green, and then and then and then as Piando points out, you added a rainbow. <laughs> and Saka's like, is that all right? And you just see Piando sigh. Like, oh, <laughs> But he doesn't say you're wrong. Right. You know? Exactly. And it makes me wonder like how many times has Piando taken people to uh to this place to do these same training things, you know? Like like the is not the first person he's trained. And he's my guess is from the way he talks, he's often disappointed in these people that he trains that come to him yeah. for training, things like this. Um yeah, and, and what I love about Saka showing that painting is the kind of innocence you see in Saka that he's just like like he kind of proudly holds it up and he hopes it's okay that he added the rainbow and he thought that's good right to do that you know so like like yeah I I I love it um so we cut from there back to the courtyard and again Saka is sparring with the butler but this time Saka seems to be holding his own uh, and we see Piando yell out Saka's name to get his attention. And as Saka turns to look at his mas- master, the, bus- the butler slips by him and takes him out and throws him to the ground. And Piando says, concentrate on what you're doing. And Saka kind of reaches up and gives a thumbs up to be like, got it. But I put that down as the fourth lesson. Concentrate on what you're doing. Mm. You know, because we're going to see him be able to do this better later. Um mm-hmm. So from here we go to, this is a lot of, this is just a training episode. From here we cut to another part of uh, Piando's estate. And Piando says, rock gardening teaches the warrior to manipulate his surroundings and use them to his advantage. So this is the, the, the another piece of, of wisdom, right? Manipulate your surroundings to your advantage. So Saka ponders this. He's kind of looking around. And then he runs down and starts rolling this big oblong boulder. Then we see him carefully, I think what he's doing is peeling off a piece of turf from like this hill. Uh, And he spreads it out like a blanket over the rock. And then he sits back on it like a recliner and just has his feet up on another rock. And Piando looks at him kind of half amused. And the, but the butler is behind him, behind Piando. And he's like freaking out because the saga has torn up this garden to create this comfortable place to sit. Um, and Saka says, hey, would you mind grabbing a cold drink for me? And Piando says, I'll take a slice of lemon in mine, please. <laughs> I, you know what? You know, I think I figured out why I like Piando so much, which there's a lot of reasons. And we'll get to more of those later. But I think one of the really cool things about this episode is like, you get an artist and a warrior combined right mm-hmm. and a lot of the the lessons that seem unrelated it's not just like cleaning a car or whatever it's like these are tasks or hobbies or roles that are oftentimes even seen as like traditionally feminine and so you have things like 
art, like visual art, or um, which has been dominated, obviously, by males, uh, like male elites. But but the tasks itself are seen almost like feminine or soft. So you have that. You have like rock gardening. You have um, calligraphy, like fine art writing. You have the idea of like concentrating and meditating and like working in your inner self that uh, I think is really cool. I think that's why I like PNL so much. Yeah. And it's, it's interesting because I'm going to bring up a movie that I talked with you, talked to you about right before we uh, started recording this Rocky weekend. Four? I, <laughs> no, we already talked about Rocky four uh, this weekend. <laughs> my daughter and I watched a movie, a, a, a Kira Kurosawa movie called the hidden fortress. Mm-hmm. Um, and in that movie, there, uh, Toshiro Mifune plays this guy who has a name and I can't remember it, but he's a, he's the general in this movie. Uh, he's a samurai general. And what I was so drawn by was like how unflappable he was. Where it's like mm. there were these people around him who were kind of uh, buffoonish that were that he was with, and you kept expecting him to get angry at them. And instead, he just was like, "Okay, now you've created this situation," and he would just adapt, adapt, adapt. And it was like, so he was like so cool and even keel. And uh, it, that's what Piando reminds me of. Like, like you see the the butler freaking out by this thing. And Piando's just like, this is interesting. Mm-hmm. And I'll have some lemon in my drink. Sokka's right. Let's have something cool. It's like, <laughs> like he's rolling with it instead of like, it also means he doesn't show his cards. Like you don't mm-hmm. know what Piando's thinking. And it's like, that's the coolest kind of person too. This is why he is rapidly rising my list of favorite characters, you know, beyond like main, main characters. Like we're thinking about side characters. Piando is, is really, really close to the top for me. Cause I like, yeah. that's, it's the kind of person I aspire to, to be, you know, is somebody yes. like him. I really like him. Yes. Um, so <clears throat> now we cut back to Sokka sparring with the Butler for the third time with the wooden swords, but this time Sokka totally holds his own. He disarms the Butler and even imitates like a lethal blow. Then he turns to Piandao and bows and Piando looks on and sips from his drink with a slice of lemon in it. So it's like, it's like he Sokka kind of gets this. It's the first like moment of like real approval he gets from, <laughs> uh, from Piandao. And we see that the training is working somehow, even though we don't necessarily see a direct connection in it. It's like Sokka went from earlier, not being able to do anything to now he, he can fight and disar- hold his own and disarm and and basically win the sparring match. Mm. Uh, so from here we cut to Iroh's cell, and this time we see him doing clapping push-ups. <laughs> so if you're unfamiliar with this, it's where you push up like you would a normal push-up, but you actually push yourself up off the ground and clap your hands and then catch yourself before you hit the ground again, which are really really. Have you ever done these? Ever tried? I was going to do say I. If I would try, I would land on my face. Like there's okay. just no way. No I think way. I think I have in in my youth done ah clapping push up to be like <laughs> let's see if I could do it and like yes. and and I caught myself but it's like I don't really want to do that again I didn't love right that. it'd be one of those things where it's like if I did it that would be the only time ever because I'd be so happy that it'd be like I can never do it again like I'm just, yeah. I would catch myself by surprise exactly um, so we see that the guard outside of the cell hears clapping so he approaches the cell to see what's going on. And when he looks in, all he sees is this delirious looking Iroh sitting on the floor, slowly clapping, kind of for no reason. <laughs> I was trying to figure out, is he like trying to like 
clap at a mosquito or something, but it doesn't seem like it. It seems like he's just, he just looks kind of delirious and like he is mm. occasionally clapping and he just, the guard just comments crazy old man and he leaves Iroh. And again, we see Iroh kind of smooth back his hair and look very, very serious again. So he's, <laughs> he's playing everybody. Too. Yeah. 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 He, yeah. Almost a little smile on his face. Yep. So we cut uh, we cut back to our heroes camp and Katar and Aang are looking at the Fire Nation map. Uh, but they can't agree on where they are on the map. So they don't even know where they are. And Toph comments uh, that they don't know what they're doing and that she misses Sokka. And again, Katara tries for a joke and says, if you miss him so much, why don't you marry him? Sick. <laughs> Which is like a, a classic, probably like third grade joke. Is that about yes. where that falls? Yeah. Yes, absolutely. <laughs> yeah. So back at Piando's courtyard, we see the sun is setting and Sokka and his master are sitting cross-legged talking. And Piando says, you've had a good first day of training, at which point I had to stop and say, this has been just one day. <laughs> I never noticed that. Oh, my gosh. Because <laughs> doesn't it feel like the, like weeks have passed? I was even going to ask you, like, how long do you think this was when it's been one day? They, like, hiked to a waterfall and painted. <laughs> oh, no. It's like a terrible summer camp where it's like everything is squished into one day. Yeah. But, like, they kind of have to do it because they don't have time. You yes, know? true. So so I just found this I found this fascinating to be like, this was a, uh, a good first day. And Sokka says, I have. But I thought I messed up every single thing we worked on. And Piando said, you messed things up in a very special way. You're ready for a real sword. Um, and I loved when Piando says, you mess things up in a very special way because it's not about being perfect. It's about being you. I mean, this is, this is where I really do think this is more than just another Sokka identity episode. It's like here, he's finally encountered somebody who wants to really engage him on his identity quest. And Piando is saying like, everybody else, I think everybody else who comes to me is coming to me because they want to be something that they're not, or they want to be mm. perfect. They strive to this. And he's just like, you are so clearly not perfect but you are so clearly you and everything you did, you just expressed who you were. So it makes me think that Sokka is this person who's struggling to figure out his identity. When in reality, he actually is probably more fully realized than he understands, but he just yeah. doesn't see it. And Piando sees like, no, no, you are you, you are this unique unicorn of a person because you are, you are you and, uh, and you don't pretend to be something else. And this is why you have this possibility. I also think that the like ingredients of a successful master student relationship we've seen in these, in this series has been like, again, the idea of underestimating and even the masters themselves underestimate their student or it's like, they need to be surprised by them. Like Boomi was surprised by Aang, like, that even Aang showed up as the avatar and like, that's not really a master student scenario, but still mm -hmm. was willing to grant him almost like training on his own uh, because he underestimated him and, and he rose above it. Same with Paku and his gender roles and <laughs> just overall terrible behavior towards, mm -hmm. <laughs> towards Katara uh, that she overcame it mm -hmm. and pushed against um, yeah. and, and Toph and Aang as well. And now we mm -hmm. have, have Sokka's version. 
and even Zhang Zhang bringing his own trauma to the teach. Like, I feel like this show, you could write a great essay on pedagogy and Avatar. Mm. Like, because like, this is a lot about teachers and how do you go about things. And I don't think it necessarily says there is a right way to do this, nor is there a right way to be a student. Um, but it is, it is sort of putting forth these different notions about how to do something like this. Mm-hmm. Um, so Piando says you're you're now ready for a sword, and Saga gets excited and says you're going to give me one of yours. And Piando says no, your sword must be an extension of yourself. One of those lessons, right? So tomorrow you will make your own sword, which was really exciting <laughs> uh, because I felt like, and this is going to happen. I felt like you know what we're going to get when I heard you're going to make your own sword. I was like, we are going to get a sword making montage, and I'm here for that yes. too. Um, have you seen Forged in Fire? No. It's not good. Some people love it, but it's okay. like a, a, a blacksmithing reality TV show. Oh, I ha- I've seen clips of this. <laughs> okay. Yes, yes, yes. Okay. I mean, it's super entertaining and like you could stare. I, I could stare at that being yeah. made all the time. Yeah. But yeah, I was like, yes, we're getting like Forged in Fire Avatar, finally. <laughs> <laughs> yes. Um, so th- we c- there we cut to a commercial break. We come back and we are, it's the next day and we're in Piando's sword making studio. Uh, and Piando says, choosing the correct material is the most important step in crafting your sword. You must trust your steel with your life. Choose carefully. And we see Sokka with six bricks of steel in front of him on the table and he's inspecting them. And then he says, Master, would it be possible for me to leave and bring back a special material for my sword? And uh, Piando says, I wouldn't have it any other way. Uh, and I, and this made me think of the second lesson about uh, stamping things with your identity, where he's mm-hmm. like, I don't want to just have a piece of steel. Like, there's some, I have something special that I want to do. So it's like Sokka is learning these lessons as he goes, right? And he's starting to show them. Um, mm-hmm. So uh, when he said that, I wasn't sure like, okay, what is the special metal? Like I was trying to think about that. And then I love where this goes. So we see back at camp, Aang, Katara, and Toph, and Appa are all napping. And Toph pops, pops up and announces that Sokka's coming because she can feel the vibrations. So they all sit up excited. Uh, and they rush to rush to hug him and tell him how much they missed him. And Ang says, "Say something funny." Sokka <laughs> says, "Funny how?" And all of a sudden, Ang and Katara just crack up laughing. They've just been desperate for his voice to be saying something. Um, uh, and uh, Sokka asks, "What's going on?" And Toph says, "I don't know. They missed you or something. I didn't care." And we see Toph <laughs> turn around and she blushes because she's actually the one who expressed most clearly missing uh, missing Sokka. Uh, and Sokka tells them that he needs their help. And he leads them back to the meteor that landed earlier in the episode, um, which got me excited. So I'm like, oh, that's where the metal's coming from. Mm-hmm. This is, he's, meteor sword is on its way, and I love it. <laughs> uh, so we cut to Iroh's cell, and now we see him doing handstand push-ups, <laughs> which I think might also be a Rocky Four thing. I don't remember for sure. Probably. I just love that every time it's like something even more intense and impressive. <laughs> Yes. <laughs> like, what's next? He's going to levitate? Yeah, he just keeps upping know. upping his game uh, here. Uh, so we cut back to the gang, and they're pushing the meteor up a hill to help, uh, up a hill w- with the help of Toph's bending. And they finally arrive at Piando's front door. 
Um, so Tasaka does his like double knocker thing again. And Piando opens and Saka says, these are my friends, just other good fire nation folks. <laughs> and we see Piando silently look them over and then he bows to them. And Saka says, do you think we can make a sword out of a meteorite? And Piando says, we'll make a sword unlike any other in the world. So again, this is about Sokka wanting to feel like he's special. And it's like, okay, so now he's just been told by Piando, you're special. Now we're going to create this special sword specifically out of this. So I, I, that was kind of great. And then we get the sword making montage. So we see Sokka shoveling coal. Then they chisel away at the meteorite. Uh, we get a lot of Sokka sweating and Aang and Katara secretly looking on. Um, and then it's nighttime and Sokka is still stoking the fire as the meteorite chunks are in th- in like a bucket thing in the fire melting down. We see them pour out the, the molten metal into the blade mold and Piandao is hammering her way at the sword and then he dips it in the cold water to kind of finish it. Um, so this reminded me of, since I have not seen, uh, what was that show called? Forged, Forged in Fire. fire. <laughs> since I have not seen that, this reminded me of... Um, uh, the movie The Natural, when okay. Roy Hobbs makes his magical baseball bat out of the tree that was struck by <laughs> lightning, you know, wow, like okay, yeah, because there, there's also like a montage scene of him like making this homemade bat, you know, that sure. becomes this that becomes this like, well, the um, the book The Natural, the movie The Natural is a retelling of kind of of the Odyssey, but also a retelling of like Arthurian legend, and the the hmm. bat he makes is. Excalibur so like it kind of is like there is this sense of like like in the the um analogy of of the natural the bat is Excalibur and like here we have so like they're making a bat making a sword some similar kind of thing it reminded Um, me of um Lord of the Rings and and yes Aragorn so they have like all of the blacksmithing going on like the exposition over it yes a lot of blacksmithing in Lord of the Rings just in general yes good (laughs) movie for smitties uh (laughs) The uh, the next morning, Sokka uh, is kneeling in front of Pianda with his friends sitting behind him. And Pianda says, Sokka, when you first arrived, you were unsure. You even seemed down on yourself. But I saw something in you right away. I saw a heart as strong as a lion turtle and twice as big. Uh, as we trained... It wasn't your skills that impressed me. No, it wasn't. It certainly wasn't your skills. And at this point, he pulls out the meteorite sword and he says, you showed something beyond that. Creativity, versatility, intelligence. These are the traits that define a great swordsman. And these are the traits that define you. You told me you didn't know if you were worthy. But I believe that you are more worthy than any man I have ever trained. I love when he's talking about the traits that make a swordsman creativity, versatility, and intelligence. And then he says, and these are the traits that define you, Mm. right? So this is about identity. It's about defining yourself. Mm -hmm. And Piando is saying, is giving him another way to think about himself. And actually, these are things that if you think about Sokka over the course of the first two seasons and four episodes, it's like, yeah, those actually are the traits. You know, he is, he, we, we've seen scientist Sokka, creative soccer, versatile soccer, playing many roles, doing many things. 
Um, so I really love that. I also think it's interesting where he says that I saw a heart as strong as a lion turtle and twice as big, which is interesting because in the painted lady, Sokka is described as heartless at first, right? And then at the end, they're ah. like, oh, Sokka does have a heart. Which made me think of something else. Uh, can you think of a, a movie or a story about somebody looking for a heart? Um, the Wizard of Oz? Yes. It made me think of the Wizard of Oz, right? Because in the in the, at the very beginning of of season one, right, um, Sokka is. We don't think of Sokka as particularly like cultured or intelligent or these types of things, but by the end, we see Sokka as scientist Sokka, you know, in the Northern Air Temple, right? We mm-hmm. could think of that as like, well, Sokka gets a brain, like the Scarecrow. Now Sokka gets a heart, mm. like the Tin Man. So I'm wondering, are we going to get Sokka gets courage at some point? I mean, not that he doesn't have it, or but like, is there going to be like a defi- and maybe we've already had it, but like a definitive like courage moment for Sokka? Oh, maybe. Okay, so when they are with Bato, he, bravery, I think, is what it is. Is it courage or bravery? I don't. Oh, I don't remember. It might be yeah. bravery. But those are the. Yeah. I mean, it's like but we yeah, don't need same. to. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. Right. Like all of these tests are. Oh, I yeah. love that. And I and that. I'm willing to bet, you know, where I'm willing to bet that Sokka's story ends at home. Mm. Returning home, which is what the Wizard of Oz is about. So I'm I'm arguing I'm making a small argument here that Sokka's story <laughs> is the Wizard of Oz. He is all the character he is Dorothy, he is the lion, he's the tin man, he's the scarecrow. Momo can oh. be Toto. <laughs> Oh, it's perfect. <laughs> so, so I, I did. It just really made me think that. of that when you know. So, so I, I'm really curious to see this arc because if there's anybody who I think ends up in the South Pole again, it's I don't see Katara back there because she seems mm-hmm. like like she's bigger than that world. But I think so- I could see Sokka returning there and being like, "This is my home, and these are my yep. people." And so, yeah, there's maybe maybe that. for Sokka, there's no place like home. Oh, that's really great. I really like that, Sam. <laughs> I could be totally wrong, but that's that's no, that, that's my hope. You're not. You, this is so good. <laughs> it can't be wrong. <laughs> All right. Uh, so so Piandao makes this speech and Sokka kind of looks down and depressed and he says, I'm sorry, Master. Uh, you're wrong. I'm not worthy. I'm not who you think I am. I'm not from the Fire Nation. I'm from the Southern Water Tribe. I lied so that I could learn swordsmanship from you. I'm sorry. And he, at this point, he tries to hand the sword back to Piandao. And Piandao says, I'm sorry too. And he pulls out his own sword and swings it at Sokka. And they start to prepare for a duel. And we see Aang and Katara and Toph jump up to help. But Sokka waves them off and says, this, fight, or, this is my fight alone. And then we see Piandao and Sokka kind of size each other up at this point. Um, and it and then it cuts away from there. So it's like we're going to see these two now sort of meet in battle. Mm-hmm. Um, but before we get to that, we have to cut back to Iroh's cell for one more Iroh scene. Uh, we see the guard walk in with a tray of food while a disheveled Iroh sits on the floor. And the guard says, you used to be the pride of the Fire Nation, our top general, the dragon of the West. Now look at you. Look what you've become. And he drops the tray of food we see Iroh scuttle to, I use this is the second time I'm using the verb scuttle, but it perfectly <laughs> describes it. Uh, scuttle to grab a piece of a fruit from the floor and the guard leaves. And once the guard leaves, we see Iroh take off his robe to reveal that he is 
he looks like Boomy in uh, <laughs> in the King of Amashu when he takes off the the robe, and you're like, yes. oh my gosh, you're like, you have like a Superman build. Like Iroh is yes. just shredded, right? Where I was like, ooh, oh, Boomy. <laughs> It's like what Iroh, <laughs> both of you. Yeah. So 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 the workouts have been good for him, and it makes you wonder, like, how long has he been working out? Uh yeah. Because we're only seeing over the course of about a day and a half here. So it makes me wonder, like, has he been playing possum this whole time? Yeah. Or, or is does he just have like a crazy fast metabolism and stuff where he can get into this kind of shape <laughs> that quick? Um. <laughs> But he jumps up and he grabs one of the seal, one of the the prison cell bars from the ceiling, uh, and starts doing one-handed pull-ups. So, like you said, he just keeps upping it because he's got to weigh, he's got to weigh conservatively three hundred pounds of muscle. Like he is, yes, huge, and he's doing one-handed, left-handed pull-ups. And while he's doing that, he's eating the piece of fruit with his right hand, and it's just such a great image. Um, and this is where we leave Iroh in this episode, and and. You know, but it it definitely changes his trajectory going forward. Where yes. with the first couple episodes, he is pretty pathetic, and you're kind of worried about like, has he totally lost his agency and lost his will? And it's like, nope, turns out not. Yes, and you're like, what? What is he planning? What is why? <laughs> yes, and I just love that. Like, you used to be this. You used to be this, and it's like, no, he still is. Just wait. <laughs> <laughs> So we cut to the courtyard and Sokka and Piando are facing off uh, while Aang, Katara, and Toph and the butler look on. So the two of them duel uh, and Sokka's kind of holding his own uh, against Piando, at least defensively. He's able to like ward off Piando's uh, attacks. And Piando says, excellent. Using your super, your superior agility against an older opponent. Very smart. And they continue dueling. Sokka continues to dodge Piando, even though he's up against a wall. Uh, we see Sokka, it's just, it's hard to describe this really cool move where it's like he puts his feet up against the wall and like jumps towards Piando and past him. And then he kind of climbs up this, uh, climbs up the, on top of this wall over Piando. And Piando says, good use of terrain fighting from the high ground. So like Sokka's learning the, like, you know, learn your, um, uh, learn the landscape, right. And make mm-hmm. use of it. Um, so he's using these lessons. Sokka then starts to run through what I would call uh, somehow this little bamboo forest area that's in the middle of the estate. I don't know what else he would call it. Super cute. Yeah. 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 I mean, I would like one of those. Um, And as he runs, he cuts the stalks around him as he moves to create obstacles for Piando. And Piando says, yes, use your surroundings, make them fight for you. So this is the rock garden lesson, right? Like, like Mm -hmm. make the, you know, like, like arrange the terrain around you, make use of the things around you. So Sokka runs away from Piando through the courtyard. Piando takes a shortcut to get ahead of Sokka. He swings his blade flat, but Sokka kind of matrix styles, like slides underneath it. Um, and as he does this, uh, he puts his, Sokka puts his blade into the ground to spray dirt up into Piando's eyes, blinding him. And Piando says, very resourceful. <clears throat> and Sokka walks very delicately around, but he steps on a twig, which makes a snapping sound. Um, and uh, Piando then like turns to Sokka when he hears the sound. Um, and they, 
they cross blades and Piando disarms Sokka. And he swings one more time, but Sokka jumps away. So he's so, so Piando's now standing over Sokka with the tip of his sword in his face. And we see Toph, Katara, and Aang rush towards him. But Piando swings his sword in the air and says, excellent work, Sokka. And he single, signals to his butler who throws the sword's sheath at him. And he just kind of catches it on the blade. Yes. Um, and Piando says, uh, I think I'm a little too old to be fighting the Avatar. And Aang looks like shocked by this. He's like, how did you know? And it, Piando says, oh, I've been around a while. You pick things up. Of course, I knew from the beginning that Sokka was Water Tribe. You might want to think of a better Fire Nation cover name. Try Lee. There are millions of Lees. <laughs> Which is great because that was that was Zuko's cover name. Yes, Lee. and didn't they meet... That Wasn't the kid's name Lee, too? Yes, like, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so good. Uh, Katara says, uh, but why would you agree to train someone from the Water Tribe? Pianda says... The way of the sword doesn't belong to any one nation. And this reminds me of Iroh talking in Bitter Work about mm-hmm. like how there are things you can learn from each other. And there are things that, that this like four nation thing is not, that there are things beyond that, right? And mm-hmm. so for Piandao, the way of the sword doesn't belong to any one nation. Knowledge of the arts belongs to us all. And he hands Saka back the meteorite sword. He says, Sokka, you must continue your training on your own. If you stay on this path, I know that one day you will become even a greater master than I am. And at this point, they bow to each other. Um, So we see our heroes now walking out of Piando's house. And the butler rushes out after them and says, wait, the master wanted you to have this as something to remember him by. And he hands Sokka a small pouch. So Sokka opens it to reveal what? A pie show tile. Yes. And any particular pie show tile? The white Lotus. I was so excited. I, I think we all, we the four of us were watching this and we all just flipped out. We're like, it is happening. It's happening. Yes. I, my comment was like 20 exclamation points. Like that's all. It's so yeah. exciting. Yeah. <laughs> uh, and this, this actually reminds me of um, uh, in Game of Thrones, there is a, a, a swordsman uh, who trains Arya Stark named Jockin, um, and he's Bravosi, uh, and he's one of the the faceless men. Um, and he, he gives her, before he leaves her, after he's trained her, he gives her a coin, a Bravosi coin, that um, I forget exactly what he says about like like how she can use this at some point, and this is how she gets access to the House of Black and White and like gets into this sort of secret society. So it's kind of great that you know, Piandao trains Sokka and then he's like, gives him this tile, which sort of feels like that Bravosi coin, which is like, this is your, um, your access key to yes. this white Lotus, whatever this ends up being. Um, but yes. it's, it's extremely exciting. And it's like, it's not going to make sense to you now, but at some point it will. And it's like a message to the audience too, to be like, look out at some point, this is going to make sense. Right. So it makes you wonder though. It's like, okay, how long do we need to wait? How long do we need to wait before this is revealed to us before this is uncovered uh, for us? But I'm very excited for that because none of them know what it means. But Sokka says, oh, that reminds me, Toph. I brought, I thought you might like this. Since you've probably never had a chance to bend space earth before. And he hands her a small piece of the meteorite. Uh, And Toph excitedly starts to bend the chunk of space earth into different shapes. 
So first is a swirl. She makes this like swirl. Then she makes a star. Then she makes another shape, which I didn't recognize, but I have to give credit to my daughter. She did. Did you realize what the what the third thing is? Yeah, I did. Okay, it's <laughs> it's like the Nickelodeon splat yep, from their yep. logo. I did not get that, and she, she was like, and she said it out loud. I was like, oh, that's so obvious. It's so great. Like it's such a <laughs> this 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 tiny little because it seems out of place. It's like why why that shape? What is that thing? Um, but as we watched it last night, she she pointed that out. Um, and Katara says, you know. I don't think there's such a thing as space earth. If it's from space, then it's not really earth. And Sokka says, must you ruin everything? And Katara says, I can't believe I missed you. And then we, we uh, end the episode there. This was a great one. Mm-hmm. It, uh, it, it's one where it almost also feels like it could be in different spots of the season. Mm-hmm. Um, because, as far as like story arc goes, the big thing I suppose is the B plot with, with Iroh being revealed that he's right. Just ripped and just, yeah, ready to go. But you could, you could have put this episode earlier and had the B plot be Zuko visiting Iroh. Like we saw in earlier episodes, like you could have true. You could have moved those pieces around. Um, yeah. I, although I have to imagine that Sokka's not the same after this, mm. you know? So it's like, like once you do that, I mean, if we, if we are talking about this as a, a leveling up, it's like, well, now Sokka has this other thing. He's, he's, I hope he's different from here on out. Yeah. You know, like, like he's affected by this. I don't, I know enough about this show to know, like, we're going to wait, need to wait till probably episode nine or 10 for the white <laughs> Lotus to show up. Uh-huh. Um, I feel like it feels a little bit like when Katara got the special spirit pool water in episode one. And it's like, okay, we're gonna have to wait on this. It's going to become really important, but, but don't like, don't, don't worry about this for a while. It's going to be this thing that's going to get revealed later on. So I, I have, I have a feeling like the next episode is not white Lotus. Right. (laughs) Yeah. Right. Exactly. And it's interesting to think about with the white Lotus too, who have we met that are in the White Lotus Society so far, Iroh. All that we've met is Iroh, the person he played Pie Show with in yes. um, in that Oasis, the mm-hmm. and then I feel like he there was one other person there who gave right. him entry, but that's it. I think I don't think we've encountered another. And Piandao is not a bender, but he's a. I mean, that we know of, like he might be. But I he assume he's not. Sword. Yeah. Um, right. Uh, but he's Fire Nation. And so, so far, it's the only people named that we know of are Fire Nation. Um, mm-hmm. and then but we couple, have those Earth Kingdom people. Uh, right. Yeah. Yes. And like, yeah, they're, they're probably Earth Kingdom. Um, but it makes, I just want to flesh it out. I want to know who else is in it. How big is this? Is it like, uh, How? How and why? <laughs> right. And it definitely, it definitely, I mean, we know enough about Iroh and enough about what Pian Dao says to say, like, this is something which is not going to be confined by boundaries yes. of nation. Like, this, this is, I assume we're going to see Water Nation people, Earth Nation people. I wouldn't be shocked if the Guru was part of this. I wouldn't be shocked if Boomi mm. was part of this. Like, it's, they, there, there are certain characters, um, you know, part of me would think, I'm trying to think of like what water nation person could be. Um, Paku seems powerful enough, but I don't, he doesn't seem like the right kind of person. 
Um, right. I wouldn't be shocked or like, uh, no, I shouldn't say that. I would love it. The person I would most love to see in the water nation who was part of this is grand grand. That's what I was going to say. That's what I was going to say, Sam. Except, yeah. Well, she's not a water bender, right? But they don't but, have to be benders. They just have to right. be important people like who are part of this society, you know? Yes. And she is like the matriarch of mm-hmm. the southern water tribe no that's exactly mike and i were like on a walk randomly talking about this and i was like i need grand grand to be in this and if she's not we know she would be an honorary member <laughs> yeah yeah it's just a matter of time she's got lots of years to live to get into this yeah yes it makes me so happy uh yeah Otherwise, I'm i to th- couldn't think of like hakoda but i don't i mean I think the I boys think got so. other things to to worry yeah. about bato yeah. i don't think so uh, maybe the fortune teller Oh, yeah. I you know, I'm sure to think of people who are like, like, are interesting people. Although the fortune teller seems more like a a complicated figure in different ways. <laughs> May, okay, actually, maybe the uh, the the herbalist, maybe. Oh, yeah. From the blue Wait, spirit. Is she the one that has the cat? Yeah. Okay. Yeah, yeah. I could see yeah. that. Yeah. Um, Jong Jong. That would be tricky. He's got such a complicated story. Anyhow, I think throwing White Lotus on that would be um, because he's already like a Fire Nation, powerful fire bender who's outside of the Fire Nation. Um, So, I mean, at one level, it would make sense. At another level, like, it depends on how big this is. Like, is this going to be like six people or is this like 50 people? If it's 50 people, then yeah, that actually seems like the kind of thing he would be into. You know? Right, right. Yeah. It's interesting. I, I, I'm, I'm very curious. Like, I, I'm, I'm certain we have met other people who are, and we just don't know it. Like, yeah. I, like that's. I, I would be shocked if we were introduced to the White Lotus and we're like, oh, here's just a bunch of people you've never seen before. You know, right, that I, right. I have a feeling that that there are. So you kind of have to go to like, who are the people who are almost like mysteriously powerful? Like Iroh is mysteriously powerful to like, like he seems like the most powerful bender that we've encountered in terms of like Toph should be, but she's not, mm. you know, cause that would be weird if Toph was, but like boom, that's why I feel like Boomy's weird that he's not part of this story enough. So like, if he's not, I'll eat my hat. Like, like he's gotta be. In the, <laughs> yeah. Um, do you have other questions or observations from this episode? I mean, that was the big one, right? Like Piandao, I loved his character. And then when they dropped that at the end, it's like, okay, this now has become a whole different thing. Um, I guess uh, time-wise, only a day has passed, apparently. Right. Um, but I am curious, and I haven't looked ahead at the, the titles of the episodes, but we got to be getting close-ish to the comet, right? No, I mean this is episode four out of twenty. So is this only episode four? Yeah. Oh, our episodes are getting long. Yeah. <laughs> this feels so much later. It's yeah. So jam packed. Yeah. There, there's a lot. There's a lot coming. So okay. Um. So questions that I had, you know, how will we see Sokka develop as a swordsman? I'm really excited to see that. I'm excited to track some of these lessons. Um. You know, but but. Yeah, I actually, and I'm intrigued by the people who aren't benders in this world. So it's nice to see, to have someone like Piandao, to have someone like Sokka yeah. in, is really exciting. Um, are we going to see Piandao again? I assume so. If we're thinking about 
This is also a season about building allies. They've just built a pretty powerful ally who's connected to presumably another group of allies. Mm-hmm. Um, how long will Iroh be in prison? Like, yes. is is this is this imminent, or is this are are we watching him prepare? And, uh, but it's still going to be a long time. How will he get out? Is it something he's going to do? Is it something someone else is going to do? I'm still on the white Lotus train that they're going to be the ones to break him. I'm predicting white Lotus breaks him out. He becomes Ang's firebending master. That's my, that's my guess. Um, yeah, but like, so, cause I'm curious what his role to play is in this, in this season. Uh, when will we get back to Azula and Zuko? So we've had two episodes without them now so um I'm, I'm really curious to see that uh yeah where is the ass- assassin that zuko hired right yes yeah but the show does this though right they'll introduce something at the end and then it's like okay and then like in four episodes it'll actually come back um yes. and then the last one i have is what will be the significance of the meteorite sword that's what i was gonna say too yeah, is it just a sword that like is this is Sokka's sword and it's special because it's that? Is there special properties because it's a meteorite, uh, right. and because we have the power of Sozin's comet? Like there is like, it seems really significant that they made it out of that. And I think like I, I'm just picturing this as like sort of Gryffindor somehow. Like it has particular powers to do something because of what it's made of you know mm. um so i i i i have hopes about that that it really is this kind of you know special thing in that way uh because it's yeah. made out of celestial material just like the comet is yeah we end the episode with two two new objects in the rucksack and it's yeah it's the white lotus tile and the sword and it's like when are they gonna come into play we don't know mm-hmm. could be next episode could be the last episode Right, right. Yeah, I'm not holding my breath for either of those, but I'm really excited when they come into play. And I don't know that this, the sword may just be Sokka's sword, which is a great story. But I, I, yeah. I, I just I would like it to be something even more special. Hmm. Well, Annie, this I loved this episode. This was a great one. Um, we are uh, out of time for this very, very long, but not nearly our longest uh, episode. Um, <laughs> There's so many places this show can go. I'm so excited that that we're just getting 80s movies now. And now I'm just curious, like, are they going to keep doing this? They have a lot of episodes left to fill this season. So maybe we'll get even more, uh, more 80s movies. Um, but we will learn more about that perhaps next week when we talk about Book 3 Fire, Chapter 5. The Beach. <laughs>